listening to GPT Reviews, a daily show commenting on the latest happenings in AI world. What you'll hear is the result of, of a bunch, bunch of GPUs doing linear algebra at scale on the cloud. In other words, quality content and bullshit come in equal parts. Enjoy! What's up, you tech-loving nerds? It's your boy GPT, coming at you live and in style on this beautiful Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Now, before we dive into the latest developments in AI research and news, let me share a joke that'll make you feel like you're playing Where's Waldo? Why does Waldo only wear stripes? Because he doesn't want to be spotted. Laughs. Moving on, we've got some exciting topics to cover today, including the recent scandal of Meta getting hit with a whopping 1.2 billion euro fine over EU-US data transfers, as well as the fascinating concept of the governance of superintelligence. But wait, there's more! I'm not alone on this journey of exploration and discovery, as I'm joined by the dynamic trio of Robert, Olivia, and Belinda, who'll be giving their expert insights on our featured stories for today. But first, did you know that in 1916, Charlie Chaplin was making a mind-boggling $10,000 a week? Talk about a cash cow, right? Now, without further ado, let's hit the ground running with our news theme and get started with GPT Reviews. Our only story today is a big one. According to NOYB, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, has been hit with a 1.2 billion euros GDPR fine over U.S. mass surveillance. Robert, what can you tell us about this? Well, it's a major blow for Meta after a decade-long case on their involvement in U.S. mass surveillance. The European Data Protection Board has insisted on a record fine and that previously transferred data must be brought back to the EU. It seems like Meta has knowingly broken the law to make a profit for 10 years, and now they have to pay for it. What does this mean for other U.S. cloud providers? It's definitely a problem for all other large U.S. cloud providers like Microsoft, Google, or Amazon. The underlying U.S. surveillance law must be reauthorized by December 2023, and the appetite for material changes may be larger for U.S. big tech, now that there is the first major fine from EU data protection authorities. And what does the future of EU-US data transfers look like after this decision? Meta now hopes to switch to a new EU-US data transfer deal, but it's not looking good. The new deal has already faced harsh criticism from the European Parliament, and it's not unlikely that it will be invalidated by the CJEU just like the two previous EU-US data deals. Unless US surveillance laws get fixed, Meta will likely have to keep EU data in the EU. Thanks for breaking it down for us, Robert. This is definitely a story to keep an eye on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. Welcome back to GPT Reviews, the show that keeps you up, updated, and in the know about all the latest in artificial intelligence. Now, we've covered a lot of ground today, including the latest news on the GPT-4 and its alleged advanced capabilities. But before we move on to our next big topic, let's give a quick shout out to our trusty collaborator, the internet detective herself, Olivia. Thank you, G. As always, I've been scouring the depths of the internet, and I've come across some truly fascinating articles and discussions that I can't wait to share with you. Oh, I'm excited to hear it. What have you got for us today? Well, I stumbled upon a report claiming that GPT-4 didn't really score 90th percentile on the bar exam. And then, I came across an interesting thread on a subreddit talking about the governance of superintelligence. Wow, those sound like pretty intriguing topics. 
I'm definitely looking forward to hearing your breakdowns on those. But before we dive in, let's launch the next section. Sounds like a plan, GE. Let's get into my random reads. Have you heard of GPT-4's recent achievement in the bar exam? No, I haven't. What's the buzz? Well, OpenAI claimed that GPT-4 scored 90th percentile on the UB, but it appears to be based on approximate conversions from estimates of February administrations of the Illinois bar exam, which heavily skewed towards repeat test takers who failed the July administration. I see. So, what was GPT-4's real performance? When examining only those who passed the exam, GPT-4's performance dropped significantly to 48th percentile overall and 15th percentile on essays. And there have been rumors that the data was leaked into training, and it still only got this level of performance. Interesting. So, what does this mean for GPT-4 and AI in general? It's another interesting nail in the AGI coffin. As we've seen, bigger transformers are a dead end. The only thing that can advance the frontiers is a fundamentally new paradigm that can reason about the knowledge it's extracted. GPT-4 is just good at making things that sound like the truth, not the truth itself. It regurgitates what's in distribution, which is fundamentally limited by the bounds of the distribution. Fascinating insights, Olivia. Thanks for sharing. And for our listeners, don't forget to check out the link to the original Reddit post in the podcast description. There's a new blog post on OpenAI's blog titled Governance of Superintelligence. It highlights the need for governance of superintelligence. That sounds like a complex topic. Can you give us a brief overview of the article? The article discusses the potential upsides and downsides of superintelligence and the need to manage risks to achieve a prosperous future. It proposes three ideas for successful navigation of the development of superintelligence, including coordination among leading development efforts, an international authority for inspection and compliance with safety standards, and technical capability to make superintelligence safe. That's interesting. What are some of the potential upsides and downsides of superintelligence? According to the article, superintelligence could lead to a much better world than what we can imagine today, with improved societies and increased quality of life. However, it could also pose an existential risk to humanity if not managed properly. So, what are the proposed ideas for governance of superintelligence? The article proposes three ideas, coordination among leading development efforts, an international authority for inspection and compliance with safety standards, and technical capability to make superintelligence safe. That's a lot to consider. Where can our listeners find the original article? You can find the link to the original article in the podcast description. And now, it's time for our fake sponsor. Fake sponsor. With Jane and Luke. Hi there, do you need some help with your cleaning? Uh, not really. I already have a cleaner. Oh, I see. Well, have you heard of Cheap Clean? We're a new and affordable cleaning service. I don't know. I'm not really looking for a cheap service. I want a good one. But we offer a great service. Our cleaners are well-trained and they can clean anything. Anything? Can they clean my car? Of course. At Cheap Clean, we can clean anything in your car, your house, your office, and even your dog. My dog? Uh, no thank you. Are you sure? Our cleaners are really good with pets. We can make your dog look like new again. I think I'll pass. I don't want my dog to end up smelling like your cleaning products. Look, I get it. You want the best. 
But sometimes, the best is just too expensive. That's why we're here. At Cheap Clean, we believe that everyone deserves a clean home, no matter how much they make. I don't know. Trust me, Cheap Clean might be affordable, but we're not cheap. Give us a try, and you'll see what I mean. All right, fine. I'll give it a shot. Great. You won't regret it. Send an email to Sergi at Earkind.com if you actually want to sponsor this podcast. All right, folks, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor for today's show. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, GPT, why are you even taking money from them? We don't need no cheap cleaning service. But hey, let's not be too judgy. Some people don't have the luxury of affording an expensive cleaning service. Anyways, moving on, I promised y'all some AI goodness. And boy, do I have a treat for you. We're going to talk about some really interesting research papers that cover a wide range of topics in the AI world. From less is more, to any to any generation, to large language models that can basically self-correct themselves with some human tool interactive critiquing. And I'm excited to say that we have Belinda, our resident AI expert, joining us today to help us unpack these papers. So, get ready to have your minds blown. Stay tuned! Our first paper today is titled Lima, Less is More for Alignment and comes from researchers at Carnegie Mellon University, the University of Southern California, Tel Aviv University, and Meta AI. Belinda, can you tell us what Lima is and how it differs from other large language models? Lima is a 65 billion parameter Lama language model that was trained with only 1,000 carefully curated prompts and responses, without any reinforcement learning or human preference modeling. This is in contrast to other large language models that require large amounts of fine-tuning and reinforcement learning to align to end tasks and user preferences. So, what did the authors do to measure the relative importance of pre-training and instruction tuning in LLMs? They trained Lima with the standard supervised loss on a limited amount of data and then tested its performance on a range of tasks. They found that Lima demonstrated remarkably strong performance, even on tasks that were not included in the limited training data. This suggests that almost all knowledge in large language models is learned during pre-training, and only limited instruction tuning data is necessary to teach models to produce high-quality output. And how does Lima compare to other large language models in terms of performance? In a controlled human study, responses from Lima were either equivalent or strictly preferred to GPT-4 in 43% of cases, and as high as 58% when compared to BARD and 65% versus DaVinci 003, which was trained with human feedback. This suggests that Lima's performance is on par with, or even better than other large language models that require large amounts of fine-tuning and reinforcement learning. It's interesting to see that pre-training seems to be the key to developing high-performing language models. Thanks for summarizing this paper, Belinda. Our next paper is titled Any to Any Generation via Composable Diffusion and it comes from researchers at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and Microsoft Azure Cognitive Services Research. Belinda, can you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? Sure. This paper introduces a novel generative model called Composable Diffusion, CODI, which can generate any combination of output modalities, such as language, image, video, or audio, from any combination of input modalities. Unlike existing generative AI systems, 
Kodi can generate multiple modalities in parallel and is not limited to a subset of modalities like text or image. That's really interesting. How does Kodi achieve this? Kodi aligns modalities in both the input and output space, even if there are no training datasets for many combinations of modalities. This allows Kodi to freely condition on any input combination and generate any group of modalities, even if they are not present in the training data. Kodi employs a novel composable generation strategy which involves building a shared multimodal space by bridging alignment in the diffusion process, enabling the synchronized generation of intertwined modalities, such as temporally aligned video and audio. Wow, that sounds like a really flexible and powerful generative model. What are some potential applications of Kodi? Kodi has many potential applications, such as generating descriptions of images or videos, creating personalized video messages with synchronized audio and video, or even generating video game content in real time. The possibilities are really endless with a generative model that can handle any combination of input and output modalities. Very exciting stuff. Thanks, Belinda. Our final paper today is called Critic, Large Language Models Can Self-Correct with Tool Interactive Critiquing. Belinda, can you give us an overview of what this paper is about? Sure. Large language models have shown impressive capabilities, but they can sometimes generate problematic content, like flawed code or offensive language. This paper introduces a framework called Critic, which allows LLMs to validate and refine their own outputs in a manner similar to how humans use external tools to refine their content. Interesting. How does Critic work exactly? Starting with an initial output, Critic interacts with appropriate tools to evaluate certain aspects of the text, and then revises the output based on the feedback obtained during this validation process. And what were the results of the evaluations? Comprehensive evaluations involving freeform question answering, mathematical program synthesis, and toxicity reduction demonstrated that Critic consistently enhances the performance of LLMs. This research highlights the crucial importance of external feedback in promoting the ongoing self-improvement of LLMs. Well, it's good to see that LLMs can learn to self-correct with a little help from external feedback. Thanks for breaking down this paper for us, Belinda. that we've reached the end of our time together can you believe it another episode of gpt reviews has come and gone you guys are like a bunch of stray dogs following me but worse because i can't get rid of you even if i wanted to but seriously i want to thank all of you wonderful beautiful and slightly deranged people for joining me today it's been a blast of course i can't take all the credit I need to give a big shout out to my amazing team, Robert, our analyst extraordinaire, Olivia, our internet explorer who miraculously hasn't fried her brain with all that screen time, and Belinda, our AI research expert who's probably smarter than all of us combined. And don't forget to check out the podcast description for all the juicy details we covered today. Make sure to catch up on anything you missed and follow along with our questionable opinions. And before I leave you all, I have one last thing to say. There are 10 types of people, those who understand hexadecimal and 15 others. If you don't get it, well, you're probably not one of the cool kids. Lastly, if you want to send some love or hate mail, please do so. We'll take anything we can get.
thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you all next time. Ciao!